Jesus. Amen. Well, let me give you a picture. This is my mom. That was her engagement picture uh, back in, uh, in 1951. Um, Mildred Elizabeth Geraldson Ashley. She was born on November 18, 1922 in Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, just west of Milwaukee. And she went home to be with the Lord on March 27, 2016. It was Easter Sunday evening, a very appropriate time for her. I want to talk a little bit about my mom because she was a wise woman. And I want to share a small sampling of her wisdom. But having said that, I would be, it would actually be misplaced to just talk about her wisdom because it was not original with her. She got it from somewhere else. And she got it from someone else. And so I want to talk about that somewhere and that someone. But this morning, as we get started, I want to share a few of mom's favorite things. Now, it's not going to be like Oprah does. Um, But I'm going to share a few of mom's favorite things. And the few things I'm going to share fit down underneath here in the pulpit. Mom valued simplicity. She valued frugality. She valued good health. She valued beautiful things. So this morning, no new cars, if for no other reason, because my mom hated to drive, seriously. And her children were glad if mom didn't drive. I'll just put it that way. We, she rarely had to, and I can guarantee whenever she did, her children really made a big deal of it. We shouldn't have done it, but we made a really big deal. So I'm sure we contributed to her confidence in all of that. So no exotic vacations are going to be given away this morning in her memory, but just a few, a few of my mom's favorite things. My mom was into health food before it was a thing. Um, vitamins, yep, whole wheat bread, not, not like the grocery store thing, I mean the real, the real kind of vitamins. Whole wheat bread, various kinds of hot cereals, never, ever sweetened cereals with sugar on them, good for you. Lots of raw vegetables. My mom was into organic before it was a thing. Um, we made, not a lot of times, we made an occasional trip to a place called Walnut Acres. I'm just wondering if anyone's ever heard of Walnut Acres. Okay. Walnut Acres was actually a pioneer in organic farming. Before it really began to, to, to take the rage, Walnut Acres was a pioneer in that, and it was located in central Pennsylvania. And so I remember a couple times making a, we made a trip there to, to uh, Walnut Acres for organic peanut butter. Yeah, <laughs> I think they were really known for that, and and you know, us kids tried. Um, I remember we'd come home from Walnut Acres with organic peanut butter, and so you take the organic peanut butter, 
and you mix it with honey, and you roll it into balls, and you put it in the refrigerator, and that was as close to candy as we got uh, in, those, in those years. Um, we never had pop in the house. You had to go to grandma's house for that, or thank goodness for church Sunday school picnics, because you got, you got soda pop there. Uh, no junk food. You had to rely on my dad to bring that home. Mom always reduced the sugar and the salt in her baked goods, and she just had this compulsion to add whole wheat flour and just a little bit of wheat germ to like everything. So, my first giveaway is going to go to, to a lady who visited a health food store this past week. Any, any ladies here who visited a health food store this past week? Okay, all right. Please stand, Mary Ellen, please stand, and I have for you a jar of wheat germ. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Along with with good health, it was, was mom's insistence, this is especially true uh, after she and dad had retired, insistence on walking. Uh, she always wanted to go out walking, and when, whenever, you know, even she was out here, as long as she could, she wanted to go for a walk. They, uh, they lived in town, so they could walk uh, about everywhere, and she had dad walking with her everywhere possible instead of, instead of driving. I, I remember on, a, on at least one occasion, she proudly declared that they had walked to the library and back. It was a four-mile walk round trip. And uh, she was pretty, pretty proud of that. So, uh, so my, next, uh, my next giveaway is going to go to a lady who walked or ran at least four miles this past week. Okay, okay so is Tanya. I'm gonna, and Stella, I'm going to make you guys stand. Yeah, I know you love this, but could you? So we got two of you. So we're going to have to have, a, I think we have to have a little race here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if it was Oprah's show, you would be like, come on down, the first one down here. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go. Uh, either of you have a birthday in November? Okay. Uh, either of you have a birthday in May? I'm just real quick trying to, okay. Uh, and uh, let's see. Um, how about who, I'm, I'm going to have a birthday closest to my mom's, which is November. So, Tanya, when is, when's your birthday? September? June. Okay. All right, Tanya. Basically, what I have is just a pedometer, so you can measure all of the steps that you, that you take. Uh, oh, hey, I forgot. It's right here. Sorry, not a Fitbit. I know Oprah would have given you a Fitbit, but uh, uh, this one will just start measuring your, your steps. All right. Um, mom, mom, didn't eat, mom didn't eat any sweets, as I said, except these peanut butter honey things, whatever they were. Uh, but one of her favorites was butter pecan ice cream. Now, us, us kids have a theory that the reason butter pecan was her favorite was because it had nuts in it, and nuts are healthy. Okay, so, so that, was, that was the reasoning. All right, um, so I would, I'm wondering if we have a lady who's, who does have a birthday in November. Could you stand any ladies with a birthday in November? Okay, we have two, once again. All right. Terry, when's your birthday? 11th? (laughs) Oh, okay, Sharon. 
When's your birthday? Oh, what is it? Sixth. Sixth? Oh, man, sixth doesn't get us there. <laughs> um, all right. How about I'll give one now and I'll give the other later. Christy, I'll give you yours in exercise class. <laughs> all right. I have here a Handles gift card. <laughs> So remind me. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Um, you know, when I think of mom, mom never wanted milk cartons or boxes on her table. She didn't like plastic wear. She wanted us all to have what she, well, good, actually what she called intelligent conversations around the table. Uh, we were kids, and I can guarantee we did not always indulge her with that. Um, when we were kids, mom hated television. Seriously, to her, it was a waste of time and only had junk on it anyway. And I'm using her words, that's just junk. <laughs> um, Mom earned her a bachelor's degree in English. She loved reading good literature. Uh, she wanted us to read good books. Uh, she raised her children to be readers. She loved poetry. Uh, and it wasn't unusual to hear lines of poetry come from her just in reference to all kinds of things. You know, something, some thought or something happened and some, somehow she had a line of poetry to, to, to bring to bear on that. I was just looking at something yesterday. My mom memorized more than 30 poems before she graduated from high school. And uh, she was able to actually on, this, on the sheet to, to jot down the titles of all those poems. So I would like uh, a lady who checked a book out of the library this week. No e-books, actually checked a book out of life. Anyone, any ladies here who checked a library out of, a book out of the library this week? Could you stand? Okay. All right, we have two once again. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. Hey, I'm, say Sam, I'm glad for two. <laughs> um, Amy, when's your birthday? August 23rd. Okay, we're going to go closest to my mom's birthday. So I will give it to Amy. And I, this is just going to like thrill your soul. 100 best love poems. <laughs> All right. Okay, one more. My mom was, a, she was a quiet, steady person. Um, she was a godly woman. Mom was a disciple maker. And front lines to her was her home uh, and her children. I was, uh, I was just sort of interacting with my siblings, and one of them said, you know, it seemed mom had a verse for everything. You know, whatever, whatever correction, counsel, whatever she might be, might be bringing to us, she had a verse for everything. One of her favorite go-to places was the book of Proverbs. And, uh, and uh, I particularly remember Proverbs 3, which is why we read portions from it this morning. Um, I remember as we would be making our way to school, it was about a, probably about a 20, 25-minute drive to school. Mom had a little copy of Proverbs, a pocket copy of Proverbs in her purse. She would pull out, and uh, we would read it while we were making the, while we were making the drive to school. And, and we read it over and over enough times that we memorized a good portion of it uh, during that time. And, and on mom's gravestone, you'll see the last line says, The wise shall inherit glory. 
uh, as, as we were, as siblings, we were thinking through uh, what to put there. We, we really, we were really all in agreement that that phrase, which comes from the end of Proverbs 3, was a good summation of her life. Um, so, uh, what we have is, uh, if, uh, if the ladies, if you'd look into your hymn book to hymn number 204, one of you has a slip of paper that looks like this that says congratulations. Okay, and if no one pulls up, then start pulling out hymn books in front of you because, uh, you know, not everyone's being pulled out of the rack right now. But, but uh, don't let any, any hymn books remain un, unsearched for. Okay, so keep looking. Ben, you can help. You can help them, Okay. Um, so while you're, while you continue to search, because it's out there, it's out there. I have it on. All right, Tanya. Okay. Is this your second time? Yeah. It's, you know, it's like Tanya to apologize for having won. Right? <laughs> um, well, okay. So first of all, the reason, the reason the little slip of paper is in rock of age is my mom loved hymns. My mom, like, okay. So I, I realize that we don't always use, you know, we're not pulling out and using our hymn books. Well, my mom didn't either, okay? So my, my mom didn't use hymn book because she, she knew him by heart. Um, and uh, one of her favorites was, was Rock of Ages. Now, my mom did not have a tremendous singing voice, and she would be the first to tell you that. Mom always attributed it to the fact that she had her tonsils out when she was a kid, okay? It's, uh, I'm just saying that, you know, but, uh, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, to a, to a little kid who's in bed, and being tucked in by their mom, when, when their mom sings Rock of Ages, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So uh, anyway, for the, for, the, for the prize I have here, it's a copy. I couldn't find a little copy of Proverbs like my mom had, but this is a copy of Psalms and Proverbs. And so uh, just uh, giving away, I'm giving away mom's wisdom because it's not hers. It's, uh, <laughs> it's where she got it from. It's where she got it from was, uh, was, was the scriptures. Well, thank you for indulging me for just a, just a few moments on, on all of that. Uh, there certainly are many more things I could give away, um, but we need to get into the scriptures. I, you know, I've said it before, mom's wisdom was not original with her. She got it from God's wisdom. Uh, and and mom's, mom's view of the home and, and mom's view of child rearing was heavily shaped by the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs, the Old Testament, it's a, it is a collection of instructions and wisdom for life. Very practical. And, and Proverbs teaches that that wise living is rooted in the fear of the Lord. In other words, Proverbs, one of the, one of the messages that shouts loud and clear from the book of Proverbs is that, is that good living, successful living from God's point of view it is rooted in a profound sense of reverence for God. If you want to be a wise person, and if you want to live wisely, it is the outflow of a profound sense of reverence for God. The Proverbs come to us from wise teachers of ancient Israel. And what they were doing is they were, they were reflecting <coughs> on what they observed in various areas of life. 
So these, these, these wise people, they, they've, just, they've lived life, they've watched people, they've observed situations of all kinds. And then as they reflected on what they saw, what they had observed about life, they, they discerned patterns of acts and consequences that could serve either as wise examples to follow or foolish errors to avoid. So the, the book of Proverbs comes as a real result of, of observing life, observing people as they live life in all kinds of situations and say, hey, as we have watched people live, as we have, have observed all kinds of situations, here are some patterns we have observed, and here are some things that, that really are, are evidences of, of wisdom, and here are some evidences of foolishness. You see, Proverbs are neither promises nor commands. Rather, they are observations and counsels about life that has come through this process. Of course, being in the Scriptures, we would also understand that these observations of wise living these observations about life that have been, been written down and preserved were done so under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. The sayings of this book encompass the full range of human experience, from, from personal behavior to social institutions. It's all there. And, and they are presented to us in the book of Proverbs, as, as universal or timeless truths that, that continue to speak to us today, even though they are written out of observations from ancient times, uh, humanity is still humanity. Throughout the book of Proverbs, and, and its theme is this idea of wisdom, and very basically, and in a, in a succinct definition, wisdom is skill in living as God intends us to live. And that word, that, that concept of skill is a part of this. It, it takes skill to build things. It takes skill to play an instrument. It takes skill to solve problems. It takes skill to live in a manner that will result in true pleasure and satisfaction by God's standard. That skill is what we call wisdom. And even as Proverbs 3 reminded us this morning, wisdom has been embedded by God in his world. When he created this world and all that is in it, he created it in wisdom. So wisdom embraces all of life. That means it's impossible to live life in this world meaningfully and successfully apart from wisdom. And since God created the world in wisdom... It will require his wisdom to live in his world successfully. That's why you are admonished over and over again against the crooked path, which leads elsewhere. But the straight path, which is the path of wisdom, which is the path we walk as we make our way through this world, as we, as we exercise that skill, this world is filled with all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of barriers. And imagine yourself trying to pull a boat into, you know, into some, some port of harbor, but there are, there are hazards. There's, there's shallow spots and there's rocks just underneath the surface. You're not quite sure what, where they are. You have to navigate very carefully so as not to, not to become shipped 
shipwrecked. That's, that's the picture of wisdom. It is, is skillfully navigating through this life and all of its circumstances, all of its situations, so that we can come safely home. Throughout the book of Proverbs, there are two paths of life that are contrasted. On the one hand, there is the path of wisdom, which leads to life in all of its dimensions. And on the other hand, there is the path of folly that leads to death in all of its aspects. It's interesting that that Jesus really taught the same thing when he talked about this wide gate that leads to destruction and a narrow gate that leads to life. He's drawing on the ancient wisdom that he knew that was his. So there are Proverbs reminds us that there are two powerful forces vying for your attention and your affection and want to steer and direct your action. There is the influence of wisdom and there is the influence of folly. They both want you. They're both calling out to you. They're both saying, hey, come this way. Follow this pathway. Mom recognized them as being two competitors that were vying for the role of gatekeeper to the home. Wisdom and folly. That they both want to serve as the gatekeeper to your life. They want to serve as the gatekeeper to your home. My mom recognized that. And she did all that she could, that, that she could do by the grace of God to not allow folly to be the gatekeeper but for wisdom to be that gatekeeper. Mom sought to impart wisdom to her five children, and we were not always cooperative. I can assure you of that. But there are two Proverbs that I especially remember her repeating uh, in in my growing up years, and I can still hear her uh, saying these over and over again in all kinds of situations. The first is from Proverbs chapter 25, And verse 28, which says this, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Wow. (laughs) Does that come home in all kinds of situations? A person who who lacks, it's a a proverb advising self-control. A person who lacks it is like a city with broken down walls. And in ancient times, city walls were, were vital to a city's defenses against the enemy. Broken down walls meant there was vulnerability to the enemy's takeover. And so a lack of self-control is like opening your life and even your home to all kinds of invaders. A lack of self-control in the book of Proverbs leads to all kinds of things. It leads to gluttony. It leads to sexual immorality. It leads to laziness. It leads to all kinds of trouble, and it even leads to death. And so someone who, who rules their spirit, that's a person who says yes to what they ought to say yes to, and they say no to what they ought to say no to. So mom sought to instill self-control many areas of our lives in our health and in our eating in our reading she encouraged us to, to choose best things over merely acceptable things 
in our home, there were times that anger issues needed to be confronted. I will refrain from finger pointing because in this day of instant communication, I could be de-sibling before I get home for lunch. But this was a standard proverb that mom turned to when there was some out-of-control behavior. And we heard it often. You see, self-control means taking responsibility for your actions. Instead of making excuses, instead of blaming other people. I find it interesting that in Galatians, it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's really one of the evidences that, that the Spirit of God is at work within us, is this matter of self-control. So accepting personal responsibility evidences wisdom. A second proverb that, uh, that mom instilled in us uh, very early on is from Proverbs 15.1. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, not the wisdom of my mom. This is the wisdom of God speaking to us down through the ages. Soft answer. It's, it's a, a gentle, a gentleness to the answer. It's, it's a kind, kind answer. In, in other words, the, the counsel of Proverbs is that kindness is part of navigating life successfully. Even when it's hard to be kind. Kindness. Successful living. You wouldn't think that listening today to today's conversations. Kindness is becoming extinct in contemporary culture. We're engaged in the war of words. Being overtaken by outrage. There's a crudeness to entertainment where it seems like there is nothing we won't say anymore. There's a lack of manners. If you don't know what they are, look it up in the dictionary. Do you remember, do you remember manners? I mean, my, my mom was big on that. And I'm not saying what, what they should or shouldn't be. Mom was big on manners. Breakdown, all, if you will, contributing to just a breakdown in, in civility in our society. Kindness in the book of Proverbs is commended throughout that book. And, and, and it's commended for all groups of people. It's not just certain people that are admonished and encouraged to, to, to be kind. It, it, it's all groups of people. Teachers are to be kind and students. Parents and children. Kings and servants. Rich and poor. Because inherent in kindness is evidence of being sensitive to the inherent dignity and worth of all human beings who are made in the image of God. My mom was not one to, 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 to critique people. Certainly she had her thoughts and opinions, but she was not one to be sitting around critiquing people. Wisdom does not repay evil for good. 
Wisdom recognizes instead of using speech to divide and alienate, a kind answer can diffuse wrath and create community. Kindness is not content to do to others as has been done to them, but rather goes the extra mile to overcome evil with good. That is not the current political or cultural climate that in our days says if they hit you low, you hit them lower. And I've read it. You can't fight nasty with nice. The way to beat dirty and nasty is to be dirtier and nastier. That may be the wisdom of this world. It's not the wisdom of God. And I realize kindness, kindness sounds weak. We talk about kindness. We're not talking about no opinion, no feeling. We're not talking about apathy. Because God is kind. God's kind. And the fruit of the Spirit, as is true of self-control, is also kindness. So how do we justify being unkind, speaking harshly and stirring up anger? And we ought not to underestimate the power of patience and the power of kindness because they are marks of wisdom, which means they carry with them the blessing of God. You may have heard of a woman named Rosaria Butterfield. She was an unlikely convert whose journey to faith in Christ was nurtured through kindness. She chronicles her journey in her her memoir entitled The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. She says of her, in in, in that book, um, it's, it's told that in her late 20s, allured by feminist philosophy and LGBT advocacy, she adopted a lesbian lifestyle. She earned her Ph.D. From, the, from Ohio State University and then served at Syracuse University. There she advised LGBT students. She wrote the university's policy for same-sex couples. In 1997, she was doing some research on the religious right. And she wrote an unflattering article in a local newspaper about promise keepers. As you might imagine, there was response. And she, she, she writes this in, in her book. She says, The article generated many rejoinders, so many that I kept a Xerox box on each side of my desk, one for hate mail, one for fan mail. But one letter I received defied my filing system. It was from a pastor. It was a kind and inquiring letter. Elsewhere, she said it was the kindest letter of opposition she had ever received. He asked her some probing questions, but she said the the letter was warm, and the letter was civil. And so she just really wasn't quite sure what box to put it in, so she threw it away. But later she fished it out of the garbage and put it on her desk where it remained for a week. Rosaria writes in her testimony, 
I had seen my share of Bible verses on placards at gay pride marches. That Christians who mocked me on gay pride day were happy and that I and everyone I loved were going to hell was clear as blue sky. That is not what Pastor Ken did. He did not mock. He engaged. So when his letter invited me to get together for dinner, I accepted. The pastor and his wife became Rosaria's friends. She said, they entered my world. They met my friends. After reading the Bible in large chunks and interacting with her new friends, Rosaria converted to Christ in 1999. A conversion, she said, quote, had cataclysmic fallout in which she lost everything but the dog yet gained eternal life in Christ. Kindness and the friendship were an important part of her journey to Christ. You see, though the gospel is confrontational, it is saturated with divine and human kindness. Saturated with divine and human kindness. My mom was a kind person. She tried to instill in us the wisdom of kindness. And as I said, she didn't speak ill of others. Mom was not harsh. Don't mistake that for no opinions. Don't mistake that for indifference. One of my mom's signature expressions was horrors upon us. Okay, whatever that could be applied to, you know, in a, in a moment of whatever it was. I remember her telling us that if we couldn't find anything kind to say, it was better to say nothing at all. She didn't know it, but my mom was preparing me for this, uh, this time in which we live. But you know, my mom was, wasn't just a disciple maker. My mom was an evangelist. She was an evangelist. Mom realized, as the book of Proverbs shows, that the wisdom of God requires a right relationship with God. And, 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 and that Proverbs teaches that, that wisdom is more than simply compliance with wise instruction. Listen, a moralist can be self-controlled and kind. Wisdom is more than that. It is trust in, reverence for, and submission to the Lord who created everything and governs it all. As an evangelist, my mom led me to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because my mom's prayer wasn't just to turn out good kids 
who were responsible, who were well-behaved. But by the grace of God, her prayer was that she would turn out kids who came to know the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and whose faith would not just be a Sunday compartment in their lives, but a governing force in all their lives. That was her desire. That was her prayer. Proverbs, all throughout the book, lays before us choices. You'll find so many of the Proverbs, there is this, but there is this. There is this, but there is this. Laying before you a choice. So I want to lay a choice before you as we close. The ultimate wisdom of the universe is God's plan to save you through Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate wisdom. His plan to save you through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is what leads to everlasting life. That is the ultimate wisdom of this universe. And the New Testament talks about that. The ultimate foolishness, then, is to ignore God's plan, which leads to the destruction of hell. It's a pretty weighty choice. Pretty weighty choice. Choose wisely.